Hello everybody and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John. And finally, back from the desert, it's Ian. Yeah, buddy. I'm back. It's been way too damn long. That is true. There, I mean, there have been a few weeks where I haven't done episodes and it's either been because of uh, nothing's happening or because I was really tired and it was like late at night and I was like, I don't want to. It's but. like, you must make content. No, it's fine. Like, uh, So yeah, I was in Arizona for the better part of the last uh, month and a half uh, at ALC, which is a army school, advanced leader course, uh, NCOPD or NCOES, so it's non-commissioned officer education system. Basically, I needed to get promoted. It's for me to get advanced my next rank. I'm basically locked behind a, a couple gated prerequisites, and this was basically the last prerequisite I had to get promoted to my next rank. So, hopefully, that happens within the next two three months, which would be nice. Uh, and I'm sure that we are all rooting for you to do so. Heck yeah! Uh, anyways, before we get into our main topics, which is this episode seventy six, signature spells and tournaments. Uh, we're going to turn our eyes to the community real fast because uh, coming up not too far out in the future, uh, Dominaria comes out April 27th. And due to an unfortunate leak on Wizards' part, uh, previews have already gotten started. Uh, there's a, a mechanics article by Matt Tayback that's out. Uh, the first Dominaria story came out today. And also another one tomorrow comes out tomorrow or day of hearing this on Thursday, uh, March 22nd. Um, Dude, the story today and- was so good. It was very good. It hit all the right nostalgia notes from what I've seen. Um, and all the links to the Dominaria stuff is in the description. So if you want to go check those out, we're not going to talk about any of them today, except for maybe one. We'll see how much time we have. Um, but also on the horizon in two weeks is the double GP, GP Seattle, Legacy, and Standard. And Ian, you're going to be there. Heck yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm going to be there with, turns out like half of Magic Twitter, <laughs> it feels like. Um, this is going to... This is definitely feels like it's shaping up to be something akin to uh, what Matt, or Modern Masters 2015 kind of was like in terms of Vegas mm-hmm. and just the sheer amount of people who are excited and going to this. Uh, granted, it's not going to be a Master Sealed event, so it's not going to be as gigantic, but it's a legacy event. It's Seattle. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so yeah, the, so the first two days, uh, Friday and Saturday, are legacy, and then Saturday Sunday are standard. I will be trying to jam some legacy because I don't have a standard deck at the moment. So this is going to be a fun flame out as well. well. Well, I have a deck that I may recommend to you if you feel up to it. Is it the uh, but, approach deck? Yes, it's the new perspectives deck. You're, but, you're crazy. Yes. But first up, let's talk about our recent tournaments because I... Well, actually, I just want to first off thank uh, Wizards for the it. amazing birthday present of Dominaria. My birthday's like two days before the second. Oh, there set. you go. So it's like, yay, birthday present. I get to go uh, have a new set. They're always thinking of you, Ian. Yeah, what can I say? I'm that awesome. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so uh, we each were at a magic tournament this past weekend. Uh, I was at a local... Uh, Pre- pre- preliminary Pro Tour qualifier. Those are still a mouthful. Bad. And you were at GP Phoenix battling Modern. So you go ahead and start. Uh, how did your weekend go? So as as I was putting it, I think to you a little bit, uh, on the tournament side, ran cold as heck. Uh, but on the everything, on the quote unquote everything else that goes along with the GP side of things, ran blisteringly hot. So can't really complain too much. But what was I running? Yes, the jokes are, you know, get rid, get, go with the old jokes. I was playing, in fact. Is it a great deck to pick? Eh, it's not amazing anymore, but uh, that's partially due to, like we've already talked about, the, I firmly b- believe it was the pro band plus the print, push printing. Uh, people just say it was just push. I'm like, no, it was definitely both. Plus the research, plus the uh, ascendancy of, uh, at the time, grixis death shadow basically being accepted as the best deck at the time because of fatal push and a couple other factors uh it really pushed infect out of the meta from being literally like probably the best deck in the format to non-existent um it still has some play it's not great anymore it's no longer looking you're up on the hill looking down on the format you're scrapping to get your way back up the hill that said, uh, there are some great matchups in, in Modern, and there are some terrible matchups in Modern, and I happen to hit both of them. 
Uh, so we'll start out with round one in the feature match area. However, not on camera. So nothing on camera exists to this match uh, that was broadcast because I was the backup backup match. I don't even know what the primary match was, but I know the backup match they showed was Blue Red Moon. Or was it Blue Moon? It was like Breach Moon. Yeah, it was Breach Moon. I think it, it was, was against... It was Breach Moon versus Blue Eye Control. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the first match was because I watched that first round. Funnily enough, they probably could have jammed my two games and still gotten the entirety of the Moon versus Control matchup. <laughs> Well, you were playing Infect, which is a notoriously quick deck against humans, which five is color humans. five color humans, which is probably has surpl- has surpassed Tron as the easiest matchup in the format for the deck. Um, namely, it's because humans are the only non-creature deck, only non-creature spell that that deck is playing is Aether Vial. So the only interaction they have is Kaiso Freebooter and Meddling Mage and yeah. Thalia. But here's the thing about Thalia. My opponent stuck Thalia on turn two both games. They were dead by turn five in both games. No, that sounds about right. Hashtag infect life. Um, <laughs> no, even in one of the, in, even in game two, uh, I had, how was it? I had the, uh, I, I had a opener with like a noble hierarch and a blighted agent and a uh, become immense in hand. And I drew another Become Immense, and it always feels bad drawing your second Become Immense. However, my opponent played a Kite Sail Freebooter, and I was just like, so do you want the foil or non-foil copy? <laughs> uh, they took the foil copy, and then I proceeded to delve out the Become Immense that next turn, and then pass it back to me. They had nothing, and then I'm just like, tap it sideways. So with the six, the eight damage from before and that then all they could do was shake the hand. Uh, it was pretty quick matches. Uh, can't really complain too much. I did get them once on a. They had a meddling mage down, naming Might of Volcros on a blind, uh, blind name and get round one. And I, they swung out with a Thalia down. I only had Inkloth Nexus up, and I had a. Oh, buddy, what's it called? Oh, mutagenic growth. I had a mutagenic growth and a Glistener Elf in play. So I was like, take two, pay one, mutagenic growth, eat it, untap swing or untap might of Volcrosa, might of Volcrosa swing <laughs> yeah or no might of Volcrosa groundswell swing it was it was kind of gross but it was fun um so i can check off play a game of play around the feature match area and win around in the feature match area off of my uh bucket list now i just have to do that on camera yeah you see i i feel like you not being on camera is the ultimate disservice to or it's the ultimate disservice to you because the Twitter jokes still can be told. Yeah, can be said because I can't just no... I can't just point like be like scoreboard. <laughs> Either way, uh, that was a quick, 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 quick uh, round. So I was one at that point. Then it faced round two versus Naya Zoo. Not an easy matchup, but not terrible for me. Uh, the problem was mulling to five in both games one and two against a deck that has fast uh, aggro clock plus removal in the forms of Lightning Helix bolt and path to exile so i quickly got my butt handed to me on those games uh they were just weren't really close i didn't draw the proper mix of you know creatures and protection or that kind of stuff so like what usually sometimes plagues in fact on the bad mold of five uh hit me hard that game in particular then i was like okay one and one i still got this you know just need to go five, uh four and one the rest of the way make day two no big deal just need to fade some of my worst matchups. Well, I hit my two, basically some of the two worst matchups in modern <laughs> in the next two games. Uh, round three, Grixis Death Shadow, my other deck, probably my least favorite matchup to play. As soon as they went turn one, uh, polluted Delta fetch off of that, grab Watery Grave Shock past the turn. I was like, well, that sucks because they they just went and uh, they didn't thought season me or anything like that. They just uh, had scour but it wasn't fun uh i did post on my twitter over the weekend a what's the play it was on my untapped step my opponent cast a colagon's command targeting me with discard with one card in hand so what the card is drew i also had a spell skite so they target it with destroy target artifact so it was a vines of bass what i drew so the play was do i vines out my spell skite to save that and then just swing with that and regular thing and my infect creature or 
do I just saddle up my infect creature with the plus four, plus four, plus the plus one, plus one from Exalted off of the Hierarch I had down? I opted to go with saving the Spellskite, which apparently was a good idea because they also had like apparently had like a push and some other kill spell in hand that would have I would have been left board stateless had I not had the Spellskite out there. So had I used it on that, I could have actually I ended up being short. I think it was two infect damage. I got him to eight. No, I got him to six. But with the no, I got him to eight. I would have had them killed with the vines damage but they wouldn't have lived long enough to get the vines damage out there so it was kind of a weird situation either way uh turns out i so it was pretty quick games uh i think we got done in like 25 minutes both the games so i just chat with the opponent for a little bit and they told me they didn't even board in is it static caster because they've apparently this guy had never actually played the infect matchup with grixis death shadow and i'm like he's like yeah i didn't know how i'm like dude it, it literally kills all my stuff. He's like, well, but then I'm like, dude, you flash it in, make me waste or make me waste a pump spell. And then you untap with it. And then I have to have two pump spells to survive. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. You don't see infect much, but just remember that. <laughs> yeah. It turns out is a Satacaster is a very good card. Yeah. So funnily enough, like I mentioned, uh, Grixis Death Shadow was my, is my second deck. So I was talking to my, I ended up running into my human's opponent in between rounds two and three, or in between rounds, uh, right after I died in round four, but we'll get to that in a sec. But I was like, yeah, I would have probably played like Grixis Death Shadow. I was like, oh yeah, if you played Grixis Death Shadow, I probably would have beat you. And I'm like, why? He's like, well, my testing group has two guys and they play exclusively Grixis Death Shadow. So I've played that matchup probably 60, 70 times and I know exactly how to beat you. And I'm like... <laughs> What about in fact he's like yeah i didn't know how to didn't didn't really know how to beat you on that one i just kind of blind name might have all cross and i'm like good anyway round four just got control i think it was like just kind of mid-range like it's really hard to tell those two apart um i think mid-range has the manus riders but i didn't see that funnily enough the only blowout in those games that i got in terms of like okay my opponent's got like three mana up i've got a blighted agent i played wild defiance in this i played a singleton wild defiance in the main uh this weekend because i figured i'd be seeing enough uh, more bolts and cold guns commands thanks to uh jund and cascading mm-hmm. so i wouldn't have seen as many pushes uh turns out i did get wild defiance down on turn three through just guy control but then when i went to go bladed agent with counterspell both uh i had dispel or spell pierce but they had five mana or no, four mana yeah, they had spell. I had spell pierce, but they cast a uh, spell caller, <laughs> which spell pierce doesn't touch. So, spell caller is a very, very good card too, as well. Just like here's, I remember reading the first time and just being like, "This is a weird card." Here's the f- card's really weird. Here's the fun thing, though. Like they didn't even <laughs> they literally added it to their sideboard and their deck the night before the tournament. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they weren't even running it until the night before and i'm like oh i got blown out uh but yeah anyway so that happened with the spell queller and they literally just chunked me for two over the next like eight turns when i was i literally drew nothing but pump spells for the next like the pump spells and lands but not um ink moth nexus for the next like eight to eight to nine turns and i was just like yeah i'm just gonna scoop i got to like i got to like six life and i was just like I, I drew the card and I'm like, yeah, no, this ain't happening. Good games. Because by that point, they, they had like the full on, like anything I was going to try and stick, they were just going to counter it and had enough mana to fight through all my counter spells. So it was a quick 1-3 dead to day two uh, drop. However, it did give me enough time to go enjoy the lovely weather outside in Phoenix. I had a nice lunch. Then I came back, was there for the four o'clock pauper side event on saturday with like 40 some people in it uh playing my beloved morasatron i went 3-0 on saturday and then one and two on sunday in the double up which kind of stunk i would have loved to have flipped those records because i would have had more tickets to get a booster box at that point but who can complain i still got some cool cards picked up a what was it twilight shepherd the uh two black black two four flyer with ascend from uh, rivals try the profit yeah try the profit yeah twilight shepherd i think is a white angel from yeah and shadow more yeah yeah, yeah yeah no no yeah it was twilight yeah the one you're saying twilight profit uh 
a very good vampire for my Markov EDH deck that I just never felt like buying, but I used price tickets to buy, so thanks, Grand Prix. Yeah, GPs are got, awesome. I also got like 16 packs for something like that, so uh, oh, yeah. the payouts are pretty good. So double ups, by the way, if you ever get a chance to run some of them, are really nice. It's $35 enter instead of the $20 at the Popper event was, but like it says, all the prizes are doubled. So instead of the uh, 200 tickets you would have gotten to, for the winning of the event, you would have gotten 400 Mm. so it's pds um other than that uh, lucked out into actually finally getting to meet evan Irwin. that was pretty nice. cool um i was eating dinner at a restaurant on friday night i was like oh, yeah, i don't know then like i kind of noticed somebody in like a twitch hoodie i'm like oh, twitch hoodie cool and then i realized oh that's reuben oh there's evan <laughs> and then reuben saw like i said hey reuben's like oh hey yeah come eat with us i ended up getting to eat with them which is really great evan's a great guy also got to meet uh another buddy there's adrian really really cool guy um it was a british pub so it was adrian's like <laughs> he's like he's a bit british so uh when they found out that he had cider on tap with and with ice and like with ice on the rocks like oh that's great <laughs> it's like <laughs> oh it's good times but uh evan had to catch a flight back he had a long delay so he actually got to stop by the gp a little bit i think it was on friday but uh i got to hang out with uh, ruben a bunch i know john you do a podcast with ruben for D D, so it's a nice yep. little connection there uh chat about you a little bit nothing bad of course <laughs> of course uh but we didn't escape we did two escape rooms actually you know like magic players are wont to do at grand prix and we actually set the all-time record for a room which was kind of wizardry themed. So that was kind of fun. And I also helped goad one of the fellow chat mods, uh, Lady Atarka, into cracking a pack on stream. Now, she'd been trying to do this for a while to try and troll Marshall, but we were all kind of poking and prodding her in Gabby's mod channel or Discord channel or chat. And we were all calling her like, like Gabby, Gabby has a chicken emote. So like Gabby chicken, Gabby chicken. And I helped make sure that she was like, I'm like, Hey, look, she's like, Oh, where am I standing? I'm like, okay. Uh, you're going to want to stand right about there. Cause you can see the camera. Just make sure you're not behind the, uh, little like signage behind the TV it. We, or the... We, yeah. The TV, this, what, what the, uh, little, I don't know what the, the program quote unquote, uh, I think it was like the, or the cut or whatever. No, it wasn't the cut. It was like the pro show or something like that. What? Trying to think of what the name would be, but yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It was it's the the one right before the top eight announcement. But we have a link down below in the show notes <laughs> if you want to go watch savage. that Twitch clip. It was brutal. She just rips it. But here's the best part: when she ripped it, she actually opened up a Vendillion click. Look, n never let anyone tell you that opening packs doesn't pay. I mean, she cracked it for value, both troll and actual. <laughs> it was great. Oh, there's max value in that so in that I, I did mention clip. i did mention i ran hot on the weekend but uh i did have kind of a little sour note i guess you can say to end it so uh like i was down in arizona for my class which is why i was able to attend the gp because the class ended on friday i got to go up they're like yeah your flight's not till monday and i'm like all right cool i guess i'm going up to all right okay i'll go up to phoenix so i had to my flight was in tucson but my hotel room for the next night for Sunday to Monday was in Tucson. So I had to drive down there. So when I checked out of my room in Phoenix, I accidentally left my Nintendo switch and my Nintendo three DS in the hotel no. room. Yeah. No. Yeah. So by the time I realized this, I was already halfway between Phoenix and Tucson. It was already late at night. It was like nine o'clock and I tried calling the hotel. The guy's like, no, I can't leave the desk. You're not going to find it. Um, or I'm not like the hotel, the housekeepers didn't say anything, blah, blah, blah. So currently we have an, on, there's an ongoing, a uh, couple things open with, you know, insurance. Uh, Cause thankfully it possibly will be covered under my renter's insurance. So that'll be nice. But yeah, it, it was kind of a sour note, but overall the weekend was amazing. Um, kind of interesting to see how the uh, channel fireballs running the events. They actually kind of goofed. Um, accidentally just gave everybody the uh, Mutavolt promo only at the very beginning. Hmm. Uh, what you're supposed to get when you register is a deck box, a life pad, counter, a pen, and the Mutavolt promo. So between rounds one and two, they were like, all right, everybody, if you haven't gotten the promo yet, raise your hand. If you're not, we're going to trade your promo for a deck box, which has the life, life counter and the promo inside of it. So I got a nice 
It's the 100 card uh, limited resources deck box. That was the deck box of du jour of the weekend that they were giving out. Nice. So that is now where my EDH deck, or no, my pauper deck now lives. So my infect or my modern deck could go back to the box where it's supposed to be. So yeah, so overall, fun time, great people. Uh, it was great getting to see Marshall and a couple of the other people on the thing again. I'm going to give a huge shout out to the fine folks behind the stream at Channel Fireball who got me on camera. Um, that was really nice of them. And I, or not on camera, in the feature match area. In the feature match area. Right, yeah. not on camera, in the feature match area. Hopefully soon on camera, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that was great. And I had an absolute blast. Um, again, I know John and I have said it before. If there is a GP in your area, even if you don't want to play in the main event, go. Seriously, just go. Um, there's tons of side events, tons of vendors, just a bunch of good people. Um, I kind of highly recommend going with a friend, at least, or knowing people that you're going to meet up with there. Uh, kind of rolling solo to GP. I've done it a couple times. I went in expecting this to be a solo roll, but ended up, you know, thankfully hanging out with Ruben a bunch. Um, but yeah, just definitely try and meet up with people because it, 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 trust me, it enhances your GP experience if you can share it with friends. Oh yeah, GPs are a lot of fun. You should go. You should go do one if there's one nearby. Don't go. Don't go like you know a day's travel out if you need to. But well, yeah, I mean, if unless you want to start grinding grand prix and stuff oh, yeah. like that, then yeah, I'd definitely recommend like going to them. But if you're like, if there's one that's like a couple hours away, go for it. Trust me, you're not gonna have a bad time. Oh, yeah. Unless you like actively go out of your way to have a bad time, they have which is possible. They, well, they have events for everybody. They have side events, and they have that Turbo Town too, which is kind of cool. See, so if you want to jam like one round of a match, you can just go like, like, hey, I want to test this new configuration out and see how it goes, kind of thing. And it, it, it's for all formats too, like Pauper, Modern, Legacy, Vintage, Canadian Highlander, Standard. It's kind of cool. So, all right. Anyway, oh well. One sad thing I didn't get to do this week, th that weekend though, uh, draft Masters Twenty Five. <laughs> so I've drafted it once. I did okay. Um, got a coalition relic, which was nice. But this, it's an interesting set. Yeah, I was I was hoping to do it, but like my time, the timing never quite worked out. Um, like I said, I, I got booted round four, which is right around one o'clock ish. So by the time I got lunch, came back, it was like two two twenty p.m. And the pauper thing started at four, so there's an hour and a half is not enough time to do a draft event. So, and by the time I got done pauper, I rolled into an escape room, and then the next day was the pauper in the daytime, and then hanging out with Lady Atarka a little bit, jammed some EDH against her, and then another escape room, everybody leaving. So, unfortunately, didn't get to jam Master 25, but I'm sure I'll do one online before it goes away, but I have legacy to practice. Anyway. That is true. John. Yeah, me. I played a GP. You played a PPTQ. I did. I decided um, after watching... Um, th so I was playing New Perspectives Combo, uh, which I picked up because um, I follow uh, MTG Goldfish and Saffron Olive on Twitter and on YouTube. It's and I Seth. saw that Saffron Olive put up a new video playing New Perspectives Combo in Modern. So, Or not in Modern, in Standard, excuse me. So what is that deck anyway, like for people who might not so know? So, the, so the, the eponymous card is New Perspectives. It is a five and a blue enchantment from Amonkhet that says when it enters the battlefield, you draw three cards. And then as long as you have seven or more cards in your hand, you can basically cycle for free. Instead of paying mana to cycle like you normally would, it's just discard this card, draw a new card. And the entire point of the deck is to cycle your entire library until you hit one of your win conditions. Um... The ways you generate mana in the deck are either Shefet Monitor, which when you cycle it, which normally is for three and a green, uh, you can find a basic land from your deck and put it into play, and then shuffle your library, and then finally draw your card off of cycling, and then Vizier of Tumbling Sands, which when you cycle it, you untap a permanent. Uh, Vizier, you untap your lands, uh, usually a land that has what is the uh, the land or a gift of paradise, which lets your land tap for two, two mana of any one color. And then as you do that, you just kind of go through your entire library. Uh, you use Shadow of the Grave, which is a one in a black instant from Amonkhet that says return to your hand all cards that were discarded or cycled this turn back to your hand. Uh, and then the win condition is either uh, Faith of the Devoted, which is two in a black enchantment from Amonkhet at Uncommon that says whenever you cycle or discard a card, you may pay one. If you do, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. 
or the ultimate spice from Rivals of Ixalan, Mastermind's Acquisition, which you'd be forgiven for not knowing what it does. It is two black black for a sorcery. It's a rare. It was one of the uh, story spotlight cards of Nicol Bolas claim- finally claiming the Immortal Sun, and it has choose one. Search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library, or choose a card you own from outside the game and put it into your hand. Uh, the second mode means you can grab a card from your sideboard in competitive magic. And so in our sideboard, we have a bunch of kind of one-ofs. Uh, we also have uh, spell pierces and negates for counter spells in order to deal with control decks. And then our one-of packages are perpetual timepiece, so we don't get decked. Another Faith of the Devoted, uh, Archfiend of Ifnir for aggro decks, as well as Settle the Wreckage and Fumigate. And then the other wing con is Approach of the Second Sun, uh, which was six and a white rare sorcery from Amonkhet that says... Uh, let me pull up the, the exact wording because it is a little weird. If Approach of the Second Sun was cast from your hand and you've cast another spell named Approach of the Second Sun, this game you win the game. Otherwise, put Approach of the Second Sun into its owner's library, 7th from the top, and you gain 7 life. So the first time you cast it, you gain 7 life, you put it 7th from the top, and then the second time you cast it, ideally after cycling through your deck, you just win the game on the spot. Yeah, that, that card is pretty ridiculous and love it. Oh, it, Approach of the Second Sun is, I think, my favorite card from Amaket. Although... Hazard the Fervent is up there as well. So basically what the deck, it's a, essentially it's a four color deck, almost five colors, where I want to play my lands. I want to put a Gift of Paradise on a basic land because of Field of Ruin. Then on turn, usually turn four or turn five, land new perspectives and then combo off. This deck is very, very good against do-nothing mid-range decks, because, especially ones without counter spells, because it's very hard to interact with the combo unless you're prepared for it. Uh, against aggro decks, it's kind of a coin flip. It depends on how fast your hand is versus how, fan- how fast their hand is. And then control decks tend to be your worst matchup uh, because of counter magic. So round one, I sit down and I'm playing against a Mardu Vehicles opponent. And in game one, I combo off and kill them pretty quickly. In game two, I end up losing because uh, I never found, a new, new, never found a new perspectives, which is a theme. And then in game three, um, my sideboarding included bringing in Fumigate and bringing in Settle the Wreckage. Uh, my opponent is attacking me for lethal. I'm at 10 life. Or I'm, at, I'm either at 10 or 9, one of the two. And my opponent's attacking me with two Bowmet Couriers, a Scrap Heap Scrounger, a Walking Ballista, and I think it's a Toolcraft Exemplar. And they have five mana up, or the, and they paid one to, I think it was play a Bowmet Courier or something like that. And then they tag with all five, all five of their creatures. I then say, no blocks. And my opponent then puts a counter on Walking Ballista, in response, I settle the record to them, getting approximately a 20 for one, since there were like six cards under each of the Bomat Couriers. Cool. It was ridiculous. That's and bananas. And I love everything ridiculous. about that. Yeah, and then uh, that game I also won with an empty library with Faith of the Devoted, which is possible. I uh, just keep responding to the cycling ability and just pay one for Faith of the Devoted and just keep cycling and never draw your last card. So you never lose. It's great. Hmm. Round two, I played against blue-black control, which is, again, our, my worst matchup. Either blue-black or blue-white, one of the two. And in this match, I never resolved a new perspective, and I won 2-0. In, in game one, I cast Early Faith of the Devoted, and they kept bouncing it to my hand. I kept replaying it, and I won the fairway. And then in game two, um, they almost killed me thanks to Scarab God getting back my Shefet monitors as 4-4 zombies to try to kill me with them. Um, but I managed to fog my way into another win with faith with just fair cycling faith of the devoteds. I don't know how, but it happened, and I won. It still is baffling to me that I beat Blue Black Control the fair way. Yeah, right. It, it was ridiculous. Uh, round three, I played against Sultai Energy, uh, which normally I'm pretty good against Whining Constrictor decks. Not so when they can play Negates. Um, I lost O2 though because in game one I never found new perspectives, and in game two I mulliganed to five. And this deck does not mulligan very well at all. Yeah, sounds like a similar thing between your deck and my deck. Just does not mulligan. Like, I cast, I, d- I did cast new perspectives in game two, but I only had like three cards in hand, so I couldn't win anyways. Ugh. And my opponent just like negate it. And then that, when I was like, okay, you got me, he, he showed me his hand of negate, naturalize. I was like, that's sad. Well, rip. <laughs> uh, round three or round four, I played against another blue black control player. Uh, this one I won 2-1 because in game or in game one, I just combo off. I land a new perspectives and combo off. Uh, game two, uh, he manages to uh, he manages to dress me 
or no, he, he casts a turn three lost legacy, which is one of the cards that I'm most worried about because it, you know, gets rid of all our win conditions. Uh, the only win con he had seen was Faith of the Devoted. And normally what I do when I think about when I'm playing against a lost legacy deck is I take out one gift of paradise. I take out one shadow of the grave and I take out one new perspectives. And then I don't take out faith of the devoted or, and I didn't bring in approach of the second son in this one. But when he hit me with lost legacy, he saw my hand had mastermind's acquisition, which I had another copy of in my deck and a new perspectives. And he named lost legacy, meaning that I had no win conditions available to me in my main deck and I had to resolve a new a Mastermind's Acquisition to go into my sideboard to get my win con. Oh, jeez. In that game, I never resolved new perspectives and lost. Yeah, that'll happen. Game, th- game three, however, I ended up winning because my opponent dressed me, made me discard a Faith of the Devoted, or not, um, no, discarded the Mastermind's Acquisition. And then I went cycle, cycle, uh, Shadow of the Grave, pick up my Cyclers and my discarded Mastermind's Acquisition, which was super spicy. Spicy. A interaction that I had not expected would come up. Uh, and then eventually I was able to win with uh, Approach of the Second Sun because I put it in my library or my main deck for game three. Round five, I played against Marty Vehicles again. Not the same person, obviously. Uh, I won game one pretty handily. There was no if ands, or buts about it. Very, con- It was very convincing. Uh, game two, I got run over, never found a fog. Uh, tried really hard to find it, but never found it. Uh, then in game, f- and then in game three... Um, I think I might have misplayed. Um, a few of my friends locally, like Vinny, thinks I didn't misplay. Uh, but I had... It was it was their turn five. They had um, two Scrappy Scroungers in play. And I'm at 13 life. They attack for six, putting me to seven. And I had a Haze Apollon in play that I could have cast. But I didn't. Then they play, play one mana, play Toolcraft Exemplar, say go. So they have lethal on board. And then I have four mana up. My turn, I draw a card, play a land, jam new perspectives. Because if I land this, I win, but I still have the fog in hand. And he goes with the trigger on the stack, cast out. Ugh. So I draw my three cards. I have seven cards in hand, but I have no, but I don't have a cast, but I don't have a new perspectives, and I die because I'm tapped out and I can't play anything. So the debate is whether or not I should have played around cast out, knowing that they had four mana up, or if I should have just always jammed new perspectives into them and say, "Do you have it?" Ultimately, I ended up going three and two, which was good for ninth, which is my like third or fourth PPTQ where I've ended ninth or tenth, which has been aggravating every single time. Um, but I enjoyed playing the deck. Um, I'm itching to play the deck again, which hasn't happened in a while. So I'm interested to see um, to try to break it out again for another standard PPTQ or maybe standard GP. I haven't decided yet. We'll see how uh, we'll see how things shake out. But I like the deck. Uh, I think I did. Seth, I think I did Seth proud with uh, with playing it at the PPTQ. And man, huh, that is a hard deck to pilot and a hard deck to uh, to go off. But it is a lot of fun. It seems like one of those decks that like really rewards knowing the ins and outs of what you need at any given time, especially if you have Masterminds Acquisition available to you. Oh yeah, there was a lot of times, or when I was at home, um, I was able to get put the deck together, and I just goldfished a bunch because i know that you've done this with infect and i do this with storm a lot where i just goldfish the deck just to make sure that i have the physical mechanics down especially with with cycling deck where it's like discard this card draw a card discard this card draw a card this card discard draw a card you know yeah and And i was just making sure that i had the the mental reps as well as the physical reps in i also put the deck together on magic online and i was a combined oh for six with it (laughs) so this so my me going three and two and almost top eighting really surprised me Yes, I know for me when I uh, goldfish. In fact, um, I'm mostly looking at okay, how do my how do my opening sevens look? What am I looking for in an opening seven? All right, what do I look? For? And I'll sometimes just draw like okay, I've mulligan to six. What am I looking for in an opening six? If I'm on the play, I'm on the draw. I'll think about these kind of things because it does affect your turn plays. Um, I know me as well. I will you know go through about five turns before I shuffle back up. Uh, because usually if after five turns I can goldfish 10 infect damage with some protection, I know that, okay, in a regular matchup, I could probably win. If it goes longer than five or six uh, turns, then, you know, things have happened, things have died, and I can't really take that into account when I goldfish. So that's yeah. why I only usually go five hands when it comes to that. But it, it's more or less also like figure out, okay, numbers wise. So I don't have to like be like, okay, sit there crunching numbers, crunching numbers. It's like, I know like per- the permutations of, okay, 
Land for the turn, I'm good with the Might of Alcrosa and a Groundswell, as long yeah. as I have like a Noble Hierarch and an Infect Guy on the board. Or, okay, I need to make sure that I don't play my pump spell before I've tapped my Pendlehaven, which I used to do all the time. And I was like, oh, right, while well, that's on the stack, tap the Pendlehaven kind of thing. So, Also, another benefit for the New Perspectives deck, if you're trying to put it together in paper, is according to MTG Goldfish, it is only $85 in paper. Yeah, it's... It, it's very cheap. It's a cheapy cheapies, but it's yeah. not bad. Um, standard's not, all, standard's not super totally... expensive, though, so that's that's a good thing in these days. I mean, I say oh, not yeah. super expensive, then I look at, like, I pull up the standard metagame, and I'm like, 350 380 290 At least we're no longer in the world of $1,000 standard. Dude, decks. that was ridiculous. Oh, also what's going to help, too, it, to alleviate that cost are those lovely new uh, Challenger decks. Oh, yeah, the Challenger too. decks are amazing especially since one of the top four that's like the 290 is monoroid aggro so all i gotta do is just add a couple more hazards to that deck you're golden oh yeah you're off to the races all in all i would totally play this again and i probably am we'll see how it goes yeah i don't here's the thing like i know standards wrote not rotating but standards changing again literally a month from now almost a month from now basically a month from now uh and i just don't see anything outside of gp seattle that is any big standard tournament that i would even want to go play at so it's fair yeah we'll see how it goes um as for modern there's only as much mileage as you can take it yeah as for modern though i'm probably going to be porting I ha- i'm absolutely porting my infect over to the legacy uh, build this week and i think i'm in the market for a new modern deck in terms of a primary one i mean grixis death shadow is great and all but i don't know we'll see I've got my, Can I I've interest my, you in Prismatic Wargate? Yeah, I'll take a look at that one. <laughs> no, I've got my eyes on uh, As Foretold Turns as a potential yeah. deck. That seems fun in well, terms taking of... Taking turns is never wrong no. unless you're on the other side of it. Yeah, we're just sitting there like, all right, opponent just took another turn. Sweet. Yeah, the, the main divide I've seen, seen with those kind of decks is do I play Howling Mine or not? That's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's like... I know I saw LSV posted a video the other, actually just earlier this week of As Foretold with Howling Mines. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. I want, I, uh, I, I'm curious, I'm curious if Dictative Erebos is better because you can flash it in as opposed to. You mean Crufix? Yeah, Dictative Crufix. That's the one. Erebos is the that's other one. The, the, sack, yep. the sack stuff. Uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's shift over to the other part of our title of the episode. Yeah, because uh, we've heard about this signature spell book for a little bit now. With signature signature spellbook Jace, uh, which is replacing from the vault, and basically it's um, what it, exactly what it sounds like. It's a selection of eight cards, in, including one planeswalker card, that are spellbook cards for Jace. Yeah, it's a uh, nine cards. MSRP is nineteen ninety nine US dollars. Mm-hmm. And a they have an amazing frame treatment that is just superb. And it's all cards featuring Jace. So for if you really, really like Jace, you can get your Jace Gifts Ungiven, or your Jace Threads of Disloyalty, or your Jace Mystical Tutor, or your Jace Brainstorm with probably the best flavor text that I've seen in a long time. I mean, we got the Dual Dex Anthology Jace for, we got the Dual Dex Jace versus Chandra Counterspell art back, which is boss. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the Brainstorm flavor text is really good. It's, I have a plan. Actually, I have three. Uh, it's uh, just uh, so good. Also, that mystical tutor, though, I think I have to put that in my can canlander deck. It looks so good. It is very spicy. Also, um, would you would you run cars... would you run Jason Given in your oh, storm yes. deck? I, I, if I could get all of them, yes, I would. Um, also, um, one of these cards at random is going to be foil in each uh, signature spellbook. J. So, so, no two people's spellbooks are going to be the same because one of these one of these eight cards. Is going to be four. So it has nine. So to to kind of caveat, it ha- we will have eight of the, all eight cards. So the eight cards are uh, counterspell, oh blue elemental blast, Jace Beller, and mystical tutor, threads of disloyalty, brainstorm, gifts ungiven, and negate. Yeah, we'll have the link down there so you can actually take a look at the amazing art. All eight of those you will get plus one extra card, and that extra card is going to be the foil. Um, I kind of like this. Uh, so what has happened on the magic twitters is that people have been posting their own personal spell books whether it be something that like people know them for or stuff that's iconic and uh reminiscent of their magic experience uh, people be going all sorts of colors and stuff like that so john and i figured what's our spell books so 
John, let's go with you first for this one right now. Okay. Uh, see, well, first off, you went a little further on the assignment than I did. You actually, I did a little bit. You actually created some flavor text for your stuff too. I didn't get that far, unfortunately. However, John, what is your eight-card spellbook? So my eight-card spellbook, um, these are cards with you know various meanings to me. Uh, number one, these are in alphabetical order, so there are no specific order, is Armageddon. Three and a white, destroy all land, sorcery. Uh, I remember the moment distinctly when I started drafting Legacy Cube, and I was tired of trying to fight over all the blue cards, or fight over all the green cards, or fight over all the red cards. And I just kept noticing that White Weenie just always kept flowing and always kept being passed to me. And then I realized the power of Armageddon. And now I will never pass an Armageddon in Cube. You can't stop me. It's and true. the flavor text, I came up with it because a lot of these spell, these signature spellbook Jace cards, some of them don't have flavor text because there's a lot of text on them, but the ones that do are very Jace-centric. Uh, so the flavor text for my, my favorite text for Armageddon is, will you be ready when the time comes? Very short to the point. Although I do love the Masters 25, just center aligned text. Uh, it's beautiful. so good. Uh, my number two in alphabetical order is Attune with Ether, green sorcery. From Kaladesh, search your library for a basic land, put it into your hand, the shelf of your library, add gain to energy. Uh, this was probably this card was part of my first uh, PPTQ top eight with uh, electrostatic pummeler combo in Kaladesh standard. Oh, that was. And such I fun. also I also love the energy mechanic. It's one of my favorite mechanics I've ever made. I know it's been problematic in standard, which is why Atomic Tooth got banned, uh, which is a really silly card to get banned in standard. But I I totally understand why it got banned. We have uh, we have a the, we both have a couple banned cards in certain formats on our. Uh, we do, we do, uh, and the flavor text here is uh, "Beauty is in the eye of the beholder," because while everyone else hates energy, I really love it. Uh, next is uh, "Blood Moon," two and a red enchantment, uh, non-basic lands or mountains. Uh, my favorite card in modern, my favorite one of my favorite cards in Magic. Uh, this one has I have no flavor text because the center line again from Masters Twenty Five, the center line text is just so clean and beautiful. It's just it's just great. Also, my favorite memory in Magic right, of Modern Magic is I remember playing. I was playing Mardu Tokens on Magic Online against Amulet Titan back when they or against Amulet Bloom back when they had Summer Bloom. And my opponent had, and I was on, and it was game two. I had two lands in play, and I had a land in, had a mountain in hand. And my opponent goes packed for Azusa, Summoner's packed for Azusa, play Azusa, play a bunch of bounce lands, Sego. They didn't have an amulet, so they were tapped out. And then I go rip Blood Moon, land Blood Moon, go. They die in their upkeep. Got him. It's beautiful. Riggedy wrecked. Uh, next is uh, Doubling Season, originally from Ravnica, reprinted in Modern Masters. Uh, four and a green for a rare enchantment. Basically what it does is if I get tokens or I get counters, I get twice as many of those. With the flavor text, you'll need to fetch your abacus. Uh, <laughs> because the first commander deck I ever built was Voral of the Hullclade, dealing with plus and plus encounters and doubling things. Oh. Doubling Season is the perfect card for that deck. Uh, doubling season plus Voral interacts really interestingly because if I have, say, Colonian Hydra, which was on my list, but I removed him, uh, who comes in with four plus plus encounters, and I activate Voral to double the counters, Voral's placing four counters on Colonian Hydra, which turns into placing eight counters. So it's actually going from four to twelve, not four to sixteen, which can be a little awkward. Yeah. Depending on how you look at it. Either way. Gross. Gross. Next is, uh, one of my favorite build around enchantments. From uh, Konzatar Kier, Goblin Slide. Two and a red enchantment, un an uncommon from from uh, Konzatar Kier. Uh, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you can pay one. If you do, uh, create a 1-1 one -one Goblin with haste. Blue-red Goblin uh, Slide was hilarious. Oh, Goblin Slide, my favorite deck. Uh, I loved it when Konzatar Kier came back and I was able to draft a double Goblin Slide Jeskai Ascendancy deck. Oh, it was beautiful. <laughs> See, you, you loved the Goblin Slide. I love the Morphs and the White-Black Warriors. To be fair, I also loved Morphs. But Goblin Side just made me smile. Yeah, and, if, it, it, and I'm ha I'm happy that the original art is in LSV's house because it it'd be really hard for me to. I really want that art at some point. Uh, but fight. Uh, anyways, I have the, the the flavor text I gave to Goblin Side is I don't envy goblins for their intelligence or their hygiene, but I do envy their ability to always find new ways to have fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's so five, good. Five is uh, Grape Shot for Storm. One of the red sorcery. Deal one damage to target creature or player. Copy it for every spell you've cast this turn. It's my modern deck. It's my favorite modern deck. Uh, I love Storm. It's always going to be there until they literally ban it out from under me. Uh, with the, Until they literally just ban Grape Shot. <laughs> exactly. With the flavor text, 
Every storm starts with a single drop of rain. I thought that was really appropriate. Yeah. Uh, seven is lightning bolt. Red, instant, deal three damage to any target. Part of the new Dominaria rules changes that you can read about in the description. Um, with the flavor text, which is... I think this flavor text could could be Jaya's or could be Chandra's. Bring me the person who said lightning never strikes the same place twice. I have something to show them. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And then the last one is Monastery Mentor. Two and a white for a 2-2 human monk from uh, Fate Reforged. Uh, he has prowess, and whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create a 1-1 monk, white monk creature token with prowess. Uh, this was one of the cards from Fate Reforged that really grabbed my attention, and it really made me try to brew more, and I brewed that Mardu Tokens deck, and I'm sad that it, it didn't get there in Modern, it didn't get there in Standard, and it had a place in, Leg- in Legacy and Vintage until it got restricted in Vintage, and Miracles got banned out from under it in Legacy, but I get Miracles this, I is still a f- thing in Legacy, John. That is true, but... Uh, the, the flavor text for Monastery, for Monastery Mentor that I gave it is, a great teacher can inspire their students to do miraculous things. Nice. Kind of as a nod to the Miracles deck. Yeah, what I think is great about our list is that, like, I was considering Bolt, but, like, I hadn't seen your list. And, like, I already showed you my list. I know we picked, like, completely different things, so it's kind of great. I did consider Treasure Cruise. I did briefly consider Treasure Cruise. Oh, spoilers, was, John. Well, spoilers. <laughs> dang it anyways anyway in order uh alphabetically again for me um again i don't have uh flavor text but first off is probably one of my favorite cube planeswalkers as well uh it was the first planeswalker i ever opened when i came back to the game after my 13 plus year break it is ashiok nightmare nightmare weaver one blue black three loyalty with a plus two exile top three cards of opponent's library with a minus x Put a creature card with converted mana cost X, exile with Ashiok Nightmare Weaver onto the battlefield under your control. That creature is a nightmare in addition to its other types and a minus 10. Exile all cards from opponent's hands and graveyards. You're never using the minus 10. Never using I think I've seen it activated once. But you're never using the minus 10. You're just stealing all their creatures out of their deck in a limited deck, which is disgusting and I love it. Plus, Ashiok is that just... Is true. It's a three-mana Planeswalker, which are always good, and it's Splashiok. You always, if you're in either black or or blue you always put this in your deck and you splash the other color if you don't that do is, that for shame that is correct yeah splashyak op <laughs> splashyak is bay <laughs> that's right now I'm, now i'm actually recorded as saying that and i hate myself you, you, you are you can't take it back anymore oh god anyway moving on blighted agent one in a blue human creature rope or creature human robe with infect blighted agent is unblockable it's the sneaky sneaky one one of both the modern and legacy variants of infect i was considering glistener elf because it also that also sees pauper play but i've never done pauper infect but blighted agent's just one of those things where you, you just don't have to worry about sneaking it through it's just good if if you can protect it with you know a vines or now blossoming defense that bad boy is just striking in every turn and i would be remiss to not put something from infect on the list for me so Next up, it for me is probably one of my all-time favorite standard decks that I played. Uh, power level, probably the most highest power level standard deck I've ever played. People, I would say that in today's current standard, uh, with bannings happening the way it does, this card would have absolutely been banned. One hundred percent. Like this card actually was the prob like the predecessor to probably why they needed to start looking at banning cards, uh, and that is Collected Company. The now modern powerhouse, uh, three and a green for an instant. Look at the top six cards of your library. Put two creature cards with converted mana cost three or less from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Bant Coco was the bananas and the bee's knees, and I loved it, and I miss it. It was I do remember so from good. during pa- the PAX or PAX West, uh, or not, or formerly PAX Prime, now PAX West. Uh, World Championships during BFC preview season, Sam Stoddard was quoted as saying during a Magic panel that if he if he could have if he could snap his fingers and make Collected Company a sorcery, he would. <laughs> oh yeah, like even as a source, like I'll tell you this: even as a sorcery, it still would have been played. Probably, but it wouldn't have been as absurd. No, because you can't just like hold up four mana, do that, then next turn you're just off to the races. Uh, the reason why I picked this is it was my Shadows Over Innistrad Standard deck. It got me the closest I've ever gotten to a day two, uh, winning in round nine at Grand Prix Portland 2016 that I lost to 
the band company mirror <laughs> you'll get there one day no yeah i know it, it was the mirror the funny thing is is the mirror like the guy literally was a turn ahead of me so that's what happens with the deck uh next card the one the only elemental molly d mole drifter four and a blue two two creature elemental with flying when it enters the battlefield draw two cards with evoke of blue and two and a blue which means uh, when evoke is you may cast a spell for its evoke cost if you do sacrifice when it enters the battlefield this card is straight up pauper value it is so yeah. good it is ridiculous looking back, like not having played during then, to realize that that was a common in Lorwyn. Yeah, that card is... Every other time it's been printed, it's an uncommon, and it's just so good. Yeah, it's bananas. I love the card, um, mainly because of the sheer value of it. So the play that I usually do with the Pauper Marasatron is you evoke it on three, and then it gives you a spiffy little target for Pulse Marasa, which is two and a green, uh, returned target land or creature card from your graveyard to your hand, you gain six life. So you can evoke this on three, get draw two cards, get it back, pull some Marasa back to your hand. When you have Tron, just play it out for the full mana and get two more cards. It is so good. I love that card. You just can't go wrong with Molly D. He's a good guy. Anyway, uh, next card. Uh, we're pro- we. I really hope to see some sort of influence of this guy coming up in the story uh, for Dominaria. Don't know if we will. Yeah, you haven't read the uh, the rules release yet, have you? No, I'm straying away from that, dude. I'm, okay, just making sure. Uh, so this is th- this is my completely uninformed hope of Multani Marrow Sorcerer. Uh, this is the Urza's Legacy Rare at four green green for a star star legendary creature elemental with Shroud. <laughs> Back in the day, it did say, like, uh, cannot be a target of spells or abilities, which, again, was errated to Shroud. But... The star star is Multani Mirror Sorcerer has power and toughness equal to the total number of cards in all players' hands. He's not bad in EDH. <laughs> no. He can get real large. He can get beefy, especially for your opponents on one of those I like to draw all the cards decks. It's like, okay, thanks for making my guy gigantic. Uh, the reason why I have him on the list is I had this really... So one of the pre-cons, one of the big sets that I was in, like the Urza Saga, like I didn't know competitive magic. I didn't know about the utter brokenness of memory jar and all that kind of craziness shenanigans going on in the competitive world i was hey this green white stompy pre-con deck looks really fun i like it i got a booster box uh for my birthday that year of urza's legacy ripped all the cards uh multani and grim monolith were like the two cards that i loved out of that and still have them both uh from the ones that i ripped they so this is pure sentimental i jammed this thing into um that deck with Baron's Codex. I don't know what that card does. That is, at the beginning of your up... It's a four-mana artifact. During your upkeep, you may put a page counter on Baron's Codex. For four and tap, sack Baron's Codex. Draw X cards where X is the number of page counters on Baron's Codex. So literally, it was just a stompy deck that would build a huge board state, put a Baron's Codex down, start putting page counters on it each turn, draw a bunch of cards. It had Spellbook which is a zero mana artifact from the Tempest block that lets you have no maximum hand size. <laughs> so you mm. just have this huge hand, stick a giant Multani, put a Rancor on it, and go to town. But no, you can't do that because it had Shroud. Got it! Uh, no, you just stick a giant Multani and just start turning it sideways. It was dumb. I didn't know how to play back then. Whatever, man. It, it's The sentimental thing is there. I mean, Baron's Codex not a great card, but still. It was <laughs> it's janky. all about emotion, really. It was janky, and I liked it. It's all about emotion. But hey, I was still looking, even then, like when I was first playing, I was still looking at drawing cards in value. <laughs> wrong colors, but you were, you Look, were, homie, you were almost there. I didn't know at the time. I was still, I was getting there. It's fine. What's your number six? Number six, Storm Breath Dragon. Three red, red, four fork dragon with flying haste protection from white. Actually, it just has word salad. Um, has monstrosity from the Theros block. So it's five red, red monstrosity. Three, if this creature is monstrous, put three puzzle puzzle counters on it and it becomes monstrous. Or if it isn't, when it becomes monstrous, it deals damage to each opponent equal to the number of cards in that player's hand. This bad boy, along with Thunderbreak Regent and a bunch of ramp cards, took me to a Dragons of Tarkir standard uh, game day win. Um, I loved, so I actually brewed. I saw this, I saw this card, I saw Thunderbreak Regent. I saw a couple of the ramp things. I was like, this looks like a deck. I, apropos of 
not seeing tournament results or anything like that. I brewed together a red greens dragon list that was about 90% of like right before the week. I think Chris Van Meter took it to a standard win at an SCG event. And I was like, I did it. I found a deck for once. Yeah. <laughs> I was like happy that I found it. Um, the deck was hilarious. It was great. I loved it. Um, for the, for the next couple sets that came out, I was always, um, after rotation for Theros, I was always looking for the next dragon be like, cool, can I keep the dragon train rolling? And it just never happened because Avaricious Dragon's not great. <laughs> um, it was fine. It was not good. <laughs> it was not great. Anyway, uh, the next card uh, is because I put this on the list because it's valued. It's banned in some formats, restricted in others. Uh, you but can the still reason, play it in EDH. The reason why I put this on the list is because... Uh, Fellow MTG content creator, uh, when I first moved to the Saddle area, it was Oath of Gatewatch uh, standard. Uh, so we'd just gotten, you know, cons block and all that kind of fun stuff. And Grixis Prowess was the deck. And this is Treasure Cruise. Seven blue, delve. So basically, each card you exile from your graveyard while casting a spell pays for one. Draw three cards. Sorcery. Literally draw three cards. In that deck, you were casting this probably on turn four for, for one mana. Because you'd already dumped a whole bunch of other things in your graveyard. Uh, you had Monastery Swift Spears. I put this on the list because uh, Hallie mentioned, like, yeah, I never thought of you as an effect player. I always just, like, recognized you as Grixis Prowess. And I'm like, I had a standard deck that somebody, like, somebody recognized me as a magic player just because of, like, a standard deck. And I'm like, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> this is a good feeling. I also played uh, Treasure Cruise in uh, Shadows of Her Innistrad Eldritch Moon standard with uh, Blue Red Machine Gun Burn. With Thermo Alchemists and Fevered Visions, it was great. Yeah, that was fun times. I played that. Great I times. played that Thermo Burn, the Thermo Burn deck too. Uh, my last deck. Uh, this was one. This is the. I have this on the list because it was the Cons standard. It's like actually like Cons of Tarkir. No Fate or Forge. None of that nonsense had come out yet. Uh, it was the Obzon Whip deck that Doc designed uh, with the help of Chat. Uh, this was before CDC Whip became the more prevalent of the two decks but the card is whip of erebos uh the you know eponymous uh, card the two black black legendary enchantment artifact creatures you control have lifelink and you can pay two black black tap return target creature card from the battle from your graveyard to the battlefield it gains haste exile at the beginning of next end step if it would leave the battlefield exile instead of putting it anywhere else activate this ability only at any time being cast a sorcery i hear you like siege rhino i hear you like recurring siege rhino that's what I did I with this card. I only want to face four Siege Rhinos. I don't want to face eight of them. You know what I did, too? Ashen Rider. Yeah, Ashen Rider was max value with Whip. Yeah, um, you would dump it in the graveyard with the uh, Nyx Weaver, the one in one black and a green spider with Reach that you could, I think I had to like dip some cards in the yard. I forget exactly how that one it's worked. One blue, it's one green black enchantment creature spider with Reach at the beginning of your upkeep. Uh, put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard, activated the ability of one black green, exiled Nyx Weaver to regrowth a card. Yeah, it was the bee's knees. Um, I loved that deck. The reason why I have that deck here is that was the first deck I ever played at a Grand Prix. It was Grand Prix San Antonio in uh, 2015? 2014, 2015 would have been correct, yeah. Yeah, so I played that, I think it was 2014, yeah. So it was, it was November of 2014 that I played that bad boy. That was a fun deck. That was, I didn't grok the GP thing. So I like went like to round eight and just kind of gave up at like three and five. But uh, I made a couple misplays in that GP. I still remember misplaying against a burn deck or the, it was a red deck wins. Um, I was actually like the precursor to a Tarka red, but yeah, it was uh, kind of fun. I enjoyed that deck. But yeah, so that's my, my spells. It's a, uh, Ashiok, Bladed Agent, Collected Company, Mole Drifter, Multani, Mara Sorcerer, Stormbreath Dragon, Treasure Cruise, and Whip of Erebos. Uh, all sentimental cards, nothing super powerful, but a bunch of fun stuff. I mean, I would argue that you have some very powerful cards in your eight. I mean, I do too. Like, I got Geddon and Blood Moon. Ashiok, Mole Drifter is pretty good. Treasure Cruise, obviously, because... It's Treasure Cruise is literally banned in Modern and Legacy. <laughs> it's busted AF. <laughs> it. Thank God it's not an instant. Uh, you can play it in Block Constructed. <laughs> It is technically illegal and block, block constructed. Yes, it is also banned in Popper. Don't no one get ideas. Oh yeah, it's super banned in Popper. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, 
Uh, that's that's. I think that's gonna do it for this week. Next week we'll try to talk a little bit about Dominaria because we'll have more news, some more information, and uh, we'll talk mechanics and stuff like that. Like the sagas look real sweet. Oh yeah, we got to talk about that for sure, and well, also oh, the yeah. legendary stuff too. Oh yeah. Uh, all in all, I I do like the new legendary frame. Uh, it's going grow. I think it'll grow on me. We'll see. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it next week. But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Ian, where can people find you on the social media? You guys can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ, and you guys can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. By the way, this kind of happened like while I was gone from podcasting, but I'm a Twitch affiliate now. You can subscribe Yay. to my channel. Hooray. I have a cool uh, band, or ha- band hammer emote. It's Dick's hammer. Um, it, is, it has multiple uses. It's kind of great. I like it. Um, the awesome featherweight designed for me i commissioned him to draw for me anyway i will be streaming there a lot more over the next two weeks because i need to jam legacy because i have not played legacy in forever and i wasn't great at it anyway and i'm playing in a gp oh boy anyway (laughs) follow me on twitch yeah anyway john where can they find you you guys can find me on twitter at jwiley129 that is j-w-i-l-e-y-129 uh you can see me tweet about magic and dnd and Eternal occasionally because Eternal, I kind of I kind of fell off the Eternal bandwagon, but now I'm back on it. It's Eternal's going through some interesting things right now. Uh, some of them maybe related to magic. I'm not sure. Uh, nice anyways, if, chat about it. <laughs> anyways, if you want to find me, if you also find me in Twitch chats at JWI at the same name JWILY129, uh, if you see me in a Twitch chat, don't hesitate to just drop me a line and say hi. Uh, if you want to reach the podcast, you can do so on Twitter at Eyes on the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesonthemise at gmail.com. Uh, as always, we'd love to hear your feedback about how we can best improve the podcast for you, our loyal listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Mm-hmm.